You're listening to A World of Black Writers from the Hurston Wright Foundation. Hello, I'm Natalie Hopkinson, a board member of the Zora Neale Hurston and Richard Wright Foundation. I'm pleased today to speak to the Hurston Wright nominee, Donica Kelly, about her latest book of poetry, Bestiary, which was nominated for a 2017 award with the foundation. Donica, welcome. Well, thank you. It's been a surprise, but very exciting. Could you tell us a little bit about what the path has been to writing this book? I started writing, I think as many people do in high school, but I didn't get serious about it until the end of my undergrad education. And I went straight from undergrad to an MFA program. And while I was there, so I started when I was 21, um, while I was at the Michener Center for Writers, I thought, like, I knew that I, there was so much that I didn't know. And I decided to spend that time just like trying to read as much as I could. And I gave myself a lot of freedom to try lots of different kinds of things in my writing. So that when I left, I wasn't thinking, oh, like I need to have a book as a thesis. So like my thesis was a collection of the poems that I had written while I was there, but I understood that that was not a book. And so after I graduated from the Michener Center, I went to Vanderbilt for their PhD program in literature. And while I was there, I continued to write. And probably about two years into that process, I realized I had enough poems to make a book. And I just started to think about what a book might look like, what the arc of that book might look like. And um, I really gave myself, again, like a lot of space to try out a couple of different drafts and a couple of different modes sections, no sections, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. I wrote Bestiary while I was at Vanderbilt in my PhD program. And there was plenty of space to do that and plenty of support to do that, to do that work as well. Even though the program I was in was not a creative writing PhD program. Yeah. So that's essentially sort of how the book kind of came to be. I just realized I was writing poems that sort of wanted to be together and I just kept moving it around until it looked like something that might be a book. <laughs> what was the scariest part or I guess most difficult part um, of writing? I mean, was the, were there any of the poems that you were afraid at all to write? I think How to Be Alone was difficult to write, but I didn't feel as if I had too much choice in that particular moment in drafting that poem. Like it wanted to exist and it was my job to write it down. But it was scary to make the decision to include How to Be Alone in the collection. In an earlier draft, there was a, a different sequence um, in the center of the book. And I received some advice from Mark Jarman, who thought that the sequence that was there before wasn't doing all the work that it could be doing. And I realized that what I needed was how to be alone. And that was, that was very scary. It was a very scary decision to make, but I, I knew it was the right one. It does. I mean, I just asked because poems are so personal. So when I was working on my PhD, um, I'd sort of hit a little bit of a wall because I was writing about white masculinity and I was writing about Westerns and I was having just a teeny tiny existential crisis, as I think many people do when they're working on their dissertations. And what I was most worried about was that no one would care about the project. 
And so it was hard for me to figure out how to care about my project. And Nikki had come to Vanderbilt to give a reading. And it turned out that she was friends with one of my advisors for my dissertation. So my advisor put us in touch with each other. And Nikki and I had a really great conversation where she essentially told me to do the work. She was like, the work needs to be done. Do the work. (laughs) So to have her choose the book was remarkable because I I definitely felt much more comfortable. Like I am much more confident in my poetry. And so like I knew that I was doing the work there. And so to have her recognize that felt really, really remarkable. Um, It felt really affirming. So with this collection also, what do you hope that readers get out of it? My primary hope was that people who were like me in some way, and I mean this like very broadly, I don't mean necessarily like black lesbians from Compton, (laughs) you know, but like people who have experienced some kind of trauma, people who are trying to figure out what it means to love and to be loved, people who have been in therapy or who are thinking about therapy or who are early in that journey might see some part of themselves reflected in the work. To that end, I felt and I continue to feel that it's my responsibility to treat myself and my speakers uh, in my poems with as much compassion and thoughtfulness and carefulness as is possible. There's a way that oftentimes when one has experienced trauma, one can blame oneself for that. And so I, I wanted to create something that demonstrated how one might be compassionate toward oneself. And I feel like that's the, that's the hardest thing to learn because many of us, regardless of gender, regardless of sexuality, regardless of class, aren't taught to be compassionate toward ourselves. And that's something that I've been working on. I feel like it's the biggest gain that I've made in therapy. Um, and so I wanted to model that in some way as much as possible. And I'm not exactly sure if I got there with this collection, but I do feel like I was moving in that direction. And, and that feels like something that that I hope readers take away that translates in the collection. One other question I had about this collection also was the title, mm-hmm. Bestiary. Could you speak a little bit about the title and its meaning and what made you decide on that? A Bestiary is a medieval kind of book. It's a compendium of real and mythological animals sort of set side by side. And traditional bestiaries tend to make an argument, a kind of moral argument. I knew that I had a lot of real animals and mythological animals. (laughs) So there was something appealing about sort of situating my poems within sort of a lineage of an older form while understanding that I was not attempting to impart a moral lesson. I wasn't trying to compel anyone to behave in the way that I behave, but rather I just wanted to show something about like how I understood the world And so there's a kind of tension between the traditional bestiary and then the work that I'm doing in this collection. But I think it's a rich place from which to sort of start in terms of having a conversation about what's going on in the text. Like, how do we understand morality? Who does that morality apply to? Who gets to be the arbiter of that? I'm not the arbiter of anyone else's morality. 
but <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, space from which to start. What are you working on now? What's next for you? Right now, I'm working on poems for my second collection. They are challenging, <laughs> but it's coming along. The title that I'm sort of working with right now is Bear God, and the poems deal with trauma and divorce. And it, it's a bit of a strange mix, but I think it's going to be an interesting, an interesting project as it comes together. It certainly seems that way. What is the role of poetry in the times that we're living now? Last night, I was talking to a friend of mine. She's a black lesbian screenwriter. Uh, she is trying to figure out some stuff about her place in the world. Um, she's a little bit older than I am, but she's still sort of charting charting something about like her space. And we were, we were talking last night about how there are narratives, right? Uh, capitalist narratives in particular that tell us we are failures if we haven't accumulated certain products and wealth in a particular kind of way by a certain age. And she said to me that one of the things that she's been working on accepting is the reality that there's so much that she had to like overcome like in terms of just like her thinking, right? Breaking down the ways that she'd internalized certain narratives about her worth because of her sexuality, because of her gender, because of her class, because of her race. And as she was speaking, I thought, oh, she needs to hear this poem right now. And the poem was Lucille Clifton's Won't You Celebrate With Me? I was like, all right, hold on just a second. And I pulled the poem up and I read it to her. And then we just talked about that, right? that Clifton in that moment had translated for us, had captured for us something that was a reality for her, but continues to be a reality for people who occupy identities that have been marginalized. I feel that poetry creates touchstones, right? Like these markers, these places where we can return to, to help us understand something about our lives, those who have come before us. And to know that like Lucille Clifton wasn't thinking about me and my friend having a conversation on the phone, right, in 2017. But that poem saw us, right? It saw something about our experiences. And it, and in that way, I think it imagined us. So I think poetry can imagine futures for people. It can help people feel seen, you know? So that's what I think poetry can do for us right now. And with that, I would like to thank the Hurston Wright nominee, Donica Kelly, for joining us and you for listening in. I'm Natalie Hopkinson with the Zora Neale Hurston Richard Wright Foundation.